Old Testament reading from Ecclesiastes in the first and second chapters. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? To the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from the letter to the Colossians in the third chapter. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On an account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From Luke's Gospel in the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, 
For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many gracious gifts that you bring as you gather us together around your word, as you give of yourself, as you work by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you continue to keep our hearts and minds focused upon you, remove distractions, and let us rest in the promise of grace and forgiveness that you give us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Man, at times it is hard to keep your mind focused on what God has for you. It is. Even the scripture reading this morning, you see a guy and his brother, right? And the guy's like, Jesus! All right, you've been teaching about a lot of great stuff that's wonderful. There's like thousands of people that have gathered around, and you've been telling us about how to not be anxious when we are in front of the synagogues and the rulers and the teachers and all the opposition and that the Holy Spirit's going to work and uh, give us the words to say and the strength of faith to stand in the middle of all those things. Now, whether or not the brothers actually paid attention to all that, we don't really know, but that's what was going on for the past little bit. Last week, we heard of Jesus giving the Lord's Prayer to the disciples when they asked how to pray, right? Between that time and this scripture reading, a little bit has gone on. Jesus has continued to teach, and now there's a gathering of thousands of people that have come together to hear him, to hear him talk about salvation, to hear him talk about being the Messiah, to hear him talk about being the one sent from God to make all things right. And in the middle of all of this teaching, there's this guy standing there just waiting, like waiting for Jesus to stop talking for a second. Have you ever been in those conversations where you know what you've got in your mind of what you want to say, and you're just waiting, waiting for the opportune time to change the direction of the conversation and get your point across? So this guy is standing there, you can imagine him with all the people around and Jesus talking and he's like, all right, all right, Jesus finally ended what he's going to say. Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to give me half the inheritance. What? Now, it was pretty common for folks to come to trusted rabbis and bring questions to them so that they could answer those questions or be an authoritative voice. And I'm sure in this guy's mind, he's like, look at all these people that have come around to hear this guy. He must be... A pretty authoritative voice. So I'm going to have him tell my brother to give me half of the inheritance because that's where my trust lies. I don't have anything, and he does. 
He's got all the stuff. I want part of the stuff, and he's not sharing any of the stuff. And so since I'm not sure about how my life is going to be, that guy needs to tell my brother to give me half of his stuff so that I'm going to be okay. Trust is kind of lying in the wrong spot in that situation. But it's not any different today either. I mean, how many of you driving down any road anywhere in any town within about three minutes see a self-storage facility? If not four, or five, or seven-story ones, or air-conditioned ones, or whatever the case may be. Now, they have their proper place. It's not wrong to use them by any means. Don't hear me saying that. They are absolutely necessary. But there are times that we may have an abundance of stuff and say, you know what I need? I need more room to hold on to my stuff. Not necessarily that I'm going to use my stuff or be able to share my stuff. I just need more room. My garage is full, so I'm going to take all this stuff and I'm going to move it over here to put it in this area to hold on to so that I can fill this area with more stuff. (laughs) Because sometimes we find comfort in that or security in that or meaning in that or our identity in that. And so as we start to trust in these things or the collection of these things or the holding on to of these things, we're kind of missing where our identity, our security, and our meaning truly lies. Because we can work really hard and we can accumulate a lot. We can hold on to a lot. There's also a lot that we should probably let go of because it's not necessary. So as this guy stands there before Jesus and says, Jesus, so that I can feel secure about life and so that I can have half of the inheritance of our Father, tell my brother to give me half of it so that I've got something too. And I love Jesus' response. Man, who made me mediator, arbitrator, and judge over you? And then you stop for a second and you're like, Jesus, that's kind of your job. (laughs) You are the mediator between us and God. You are the judge of all things. But see, that's where Jesus has the clarity. He's the mediator, the arbitrator, the judge over all of the spiritual things. And he knows, as he knows perfectly, that these guys are kind of missing the point. They haven't necessarily been listening to everything he's been saying. And so as their anxiety raises over what is going to go on in their family issue, Jesus kind of cuts right to the point and says, look, beware of covetousness. Beware of holding on too strongly to all of these things. And let me tell you a story, because Jesus loves teaching through stories. And then he says, look, there's a guy, right? And he's got barns. He's got barns that have been serving him well for all of the years and the years past, and the ground now is amazingly abundant. And the guy says, "Woo! huge crop, what do I do? Let me tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Then I can hold on to all that stuff and relax and eat, drink, be merry for years. First off, farmers out there, how long do crops last? A season, usually right? You can store some stuff, but for years and years and years, it's probably going to rot at some point. So, you know, mindset number one for the guy, doesn't seem like he was a very good farmer, okay? Second, how hard did that guy work to make the ground abundant? No, 
you don't make the ground abundant. God does, right? God's the one that gave that growth. God's the one that made everything grow. God's the one that gave him all those gifts. Again, in this sermon and through this text, do not hear that wealth is bad. It is not. Wealth is not bad at all. Monies are not bad at all. But if your identity, your security, and your meaning is wrapped up in those things, and you trust in those things more than anything else, and your um, feeling of calm is found when all those things are around, it's the love of those things that can get us off track. It's the love of those things that take our eyes focused off of what God has done and it focuses us back on our own work and our own doing. And whenever we're focused in on our own things, then we're missing the point again. Because it's God who gives in abundance. It's God who gives in scarcity. But it's in God that we should have our identity, our security, and our meeting. Now, in this parable, the guy uses the phrase, right? Soul, you've got plenty of goods for years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. Okay, finish off the phrase. For tomorrow, you die. I guess he didn't know the whole phrase. Actually, that whole phrase isn't even found in Scripture. But every piece of it is. And the idea of it is, it's found in Ecclesiastes. We read just a little bit of it with the uh, enjoy your toils and eat and drink and, and um, find enjoyment in them. Then we hear this one where Jesus is saying, you know, in this parable, relax, eat, drink, be merry. And then you hear Paul in the letters also talk to the Colossians, if I remember correctly, or the Corinthians maybe, and say, look, if our faith is in vain, and we're not looking at the right Lord, and he actually didn't rise from the dead, and he's still dead, then eat, drink, be merry. Because nothing else matters. Because in the end of it, it's just death. So enjoy your time now, right? But see, sometimes that mindset that we have is eat, drink, be merry with all the things that I have worked for, that I have got, that I find my identity, security, and meaning in, and that I can rest in and be sure of all the things of my life because I've got all the stuff. It's here. I can relax. Kind of like what we were doing with the kids, though. It was really beautiful to see them say, no, my cup's full, but yours is empty. Here, let me empty my cup out. And God's going to keep giving. He does. He's going to take care of you. It's not always from the ways in which we think it's going to come, but God continues to give. One of the things I always think about in the church, you talk to enough people and they will lament about how the church seems to be failing and how the church is shrinking and how the church is just coming to an end and how all this is going. It's not. It's not at all. From the days of the apostles and the book of Acts, from the days of Christ until now, the church has done nothing but grow. Now, in your small context, we may see it dwindling or having a hard time seeing where God's grace is and where God's um, growth for his church is. Yet you go throughout the world and the numbers of Christians that continue to hear the word of God and the numbers of non-Christians that get to hear it for the first time increases year after year after year. 
But again, when our scale is so focused and small to where we're just looking at how I specifically am being taken care of, we miss the fact that our identity, our security, and our meaning has been given to us by God. Your baptism is what gives you your identity, your security, and your meaning. You are a child of God. You didn't earn that. You didn't work for that. But God graciously has called you His very own. He has actually taken you out of all of the things that would bring death, and He has placed you into life. In your baptism, as we heard in the epistle reading even, in your baptism, you died. Eat, drink, be merry. For tomorrow you die? Guess what? That already happened for you. You know what you get to do now? Eat, drink, be merry. For tomorrow, you live. In Christ, you have life. He has given you absolutely everything into eternity. There is nothing that you need to worry about, nothing that you need to work on, nothing that you need to gain, or nothing that you need to put your hands to that is going to get you any more life. Life is yours. Being in the presence of the Father for eternity, whether Christ comes back or you take your last breath here, life is yours. There is nothing that is going to take you out of that. Death can't harm you anymore. It has no more sting, as Paul would say it. You get to eat, drink, and be merry and not be anxious about anything because God has got you taken care of. When you feel isolated and alone and wondering how your things are going to be taken care of every day, look around you for a second. Every single person here has been brought into your life to walk along through it with you so that you would have an ear that would hear you, so that you would have a voice that would speak into your life, so that you would have a family gathered together here for eternity. How beautiful is that? That when we... Pray in the Lord's Prayer as Jesus had taught last week, right? Give us this day our daily bread. God's not going to fail in that. And then when we look at the commandments, even as Jesus would teach, and, and you hear, you shall have no other gods before me. And walking through the catechisms, right? We know the answer to that one is we fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Fear, love, and trust. The other trilogy you can hear with that is I find my identity, security, and meaning in God. Above all things, nothing else is going to shape you in the way that God's word does. Nothing else is going to give you an identity like God's grace and mercy and forgiveness for you in Jesus. Nothing else is going to give you a name greater than the name placed upon you in your baptism. You are his. That's it. Whatever comes your way in life, whether it is a little and you're wanting more or whether it's a lot and you don't want to give it up, all those things, know that those things and stuff don't matter anywhere near as much as the abundant grace that God has given you to give you life, to give you forgiveness, and to count you as his very own child. That's what you get to share. And you get to relax. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you live. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life that you have given us, a life that comes from nowhere else, especially not from our own work or our own toil. But you have called us your very own. You have given us 
of your son, Jesus. And in this day, you give us his word, and then you even place him in our hands in communion. And we are thankful, Lord, that nothing can take us out of your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise as you're able, and we will sing.